This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to Equity Mates Investing, a podcast where we explore what's possible in the world of investing. If you've just joined us for the first time, a huge welcome. My name is Bryce, and today we're kicking off with a stock on my watch list. We've got another community member for Pimp My Portfolio, and we review two investor letters. To get through it, to chat through it, as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. Uh, We've been loving the response to Pimp My Portfolio, so please keep it coming. But I'm also very excited to hear about this stock on your watch list. Now, before we get into it, especially when we're going to hear about a stock from Bryce, we need to remind everyone. <laughs> especially from me. <laughs> That's right. Any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general, particularly when it comes to stock pitches, stock watch lists, stock ideas, yes. anything stock related. All right, Bryce. Well, there's no dilly-dallying. I want to hear what you've got to say. Let's get into it. Stop pitch. Nice, you got it. (laughs) All right, Ren, can you fade it out, please? (laughs) That's it, Ren. Today, I am bringing a stock to the table that is on my watch list that came up uh, in my research while I was doing stock of the year research. Oh, like that. Um, good work on the on the buttons there. Thanks, bro. <laughs> nice fade out. <laughs> yeah, so this came up. Uh, I did a bottom up approach for my stock of the year. Put in a few figures in the old uh, ticker. <laughs> okay. To try and um, filter out some stocks. So I wanted good return on equity. I wanted um, strong revenue growth. I wanted strong profit growth. I wanted no debt. So you use the screener on ticker. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Use the screener on, tr- on ticker. I wanted like uh, a significant or well, decent market cap, didn't want a small cap and came up with a list, which is where I got- um, uh, You've forgotten what your stock of the year is. No, it was Booking Holdings. <laughs> yeah. I thought you I thought you got that because you were such a big fan of it. I'm a massive fan of it. I was pleased to see it in the list. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah, enough, fair yeah. enough. So yep. I was like, great, I'm going to do this one. Anyway, the stock that I've got today is called Decker's Outdoor Corp, New yes. York Stock Exchange. The tick is D-E-C-K. And unlike D-E-C-K. Deck. Yeah. Yeah. So decking. No. <laughs> I'm not doing a decking company. For context, everyone, I came into the office this morning and was like, oh, you're, you're going to be chatting about a decking company. And it just irrationally annoyed you. <laughs> you're like, no. no. <laughs> but it's called Decker's Outdoor Corp. Yeah. And its ticker is deck. Yes. Like, give me a break. <laughs> well, look, online it's called Decker's or Decker's Brands and it's essentially a um, 
It's a, it's an apparel world. So it's a footwear designer and and seller. They sell shoes. <laughs> <laughs> ha, have you heard of UGG? Yeah. Yeah. So, I thought they were Australian. So did I. They may be, and and UGG bought them, but and yeah, Deck you definitely. Uh, sorry, and Deck has bought them. Yeah, but UGG is their is their main one of their main brands. Okay. Um, Wait. How is it Decker's outdoor core? I know. Ugg is a very indoor shoe. <laughs> well, they also have Hocker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their leading yeah. Um, like running shoe. Yeah. Uh, other brands include Coolabura, which is a sub-brand of Ugg, Teva, Sunook. They're all the running brands. And then they have a few other smaller brands that I hadn't necessarily heard of, but I'm also not a big brand guy, so... Um, they've got a pretty strong stable of brands. But look, what I like about this and why I'm bringing it to the table is just financial performance, essentially, All at right. the end of the day. Hit me. Give me the so numbers. Th- the last five years, the stock price has grown 500%. The last 12 months, it's up 117%. Wow. Year to date, up 27%. So it's continuing to perform well from a price point of view. Stock price is 861 with a market cap of 22 billion at the time of recording. But this is a company that just, Ren, has a strong portfolio of brands that allows it to just continue growing revenue and to continue growing its profit. Its two biggest brands, as I said, are Ugg and Hocker, and uh, both these brands are expanding and growing very quickly across Europe and Asia. They have strong presence in the US at the moment, but are very focused on European and Asian growth. And uh, their profit has grown 173% over the past five years, and they have zero debt. So very strong cash balance position. They have free cash flow, strong free cash flow. So this is, for me, as I said, it was a bottom-up approach. And their financial performance, it's not, you know, blowing the lights out, but it's just consistent and very solid. If you look at some of the metrics in terms of its return on equity, its profit growth, not necessarily market cap, but where it sits relative to other players in the industry, Nike is obviously the number one when it comes to footwear. Um, there's another one called, I think, VP Brands or VF Brands. I can't quite remember what it was, but the financials of, of Deck are incredibly Im- impressive compared to its peers. The bear case on this, though, is a pure valuation play. It's run incredibly hard. And if you look at where it sits from a PE point of view, uh, I think it has a PE of about 30. If you compare that to Nike or Nike, the PE is very similar, I think about 30 as well, but they're both sitting a little bit higher than, than other peers. So look, there's nothing too complicated about this business. It's just they have two premium brands in Ugg and Hocker, and they are able to, I guess, generate pretty significant margins on that. And this is just a story of how, how can they grow in, in markets, particularly UGG across Europe and Asia, but it's a company that just popped up on the screener. And I think, you know, if you're looking at, if you listen to all the experts that come on and think about how they look at companies from a, I guess, an upgrading cycle, strong revenue growth, constantly out, um, what's, what's the word? Not outperforming, but uh, exceeding expectations. The stock price is, is um, speaking for itself. Nice. So fascinating. Yeah. Uh, it's not a decking company. No. <laughs> at least not yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Incredible growth. Like mm. I'm just looking on ticker. So 2018 revenue grew 6%. Year after that, 6%. Year after that, 5.5%. And, 
And then coming out of COVID, it's just had a big hockey just stick up. For it, yeah. 19%, 24%, 15%. Mm. So, um, and yeah, revenue and profit growth at the same time and also debt free. So they're able to I think pretty high return on equity as well. Um, so pretty efficient capital allocators. Yeah. More than a billion dollars cash on yeah. their balance sheet. Yeah. No debt. Yeah. No debt. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, so what, here's, honestly, a company I'd never heard of. I know the brands. Here's but, my question. Yeah. Uh, the shoe business is in a state of flux. Nike, uh, uh, you know, they were a distributor. They, they, you know, sold through Foot Locker and Rebel Sport and everyone. Then they have their own flagship stores, uh, but they also sell more online. And you have named yourself the Retail Whisperer for many years now. <laughs> Not and true. And you loved retail brands, particularly brands that were going from a bricks and mortar to e-commerce. They were changing their sales mix and uh, selling more and more online better margins online. Um, so is that part of the thesis here? Have you applied your retail whisperer cap to the uh, the old Deckers Outdoor Decking Corporation? Uh, that's a question I can't answer. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their mix is of, um, of online. I mean, you can buy a lot of these brands through many distributors, online distributors here in Australia, the Iconic, what other big distributors are there? I don't know if you can buy them on Amazon, to be honest, but a lot of those major yeah. uh, e-commerce sort of distributors, you can buy these it's brands. It's probably not the same though. Like if if you're selling your shoes through the Iconic, your margin profile yeah, probably isn't a lot better. Yeah. It's it's really when you're selling direct to, cu to customers that your margins are better. Let me see. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Something for, if people want to run with this idea, that's something to research themselves. Yes. <laughs> As we said, not financial not advice. Not financial <laughs> advice. Yeah, look, it's on my watch list. I haven't bought it. I'm unlikely to buy it. Oh, um, well, great. Well, we just wasted 10 <laughs> minutes, so let's move on. Well, it's on the watch list. I think if you look at the share price, it's run pretty hard in the last, even year to date, it's up 27%. Uh, so it might be one of those ones where if you see that it comes off a bit, there might be an opportunity. But I think I need to do a bit more DD uh, to feel confident that this is something that's going to go into the satellite portfolio. But nonetheless, um, it's on the watch list. Nice. Interesting company. I'm glad you brought it towards us. I look forward to the next one. Love it. All right, Ren, it is that time of the show. Let's go. This is Hit My Portfolio. <laughs> yes, awesome. we are bringing back Pimp My Portfolio for the second time. We had so much fun doing it the first time. Uh, this is going to become a mainstay, I think, where we get an expert in the studio and someone from the Equity Mates community uh, gives their portfolio just at a high level to the expert and then the expert uh, has a look and gives some uh, general feedback. Uh, and the expert that is joining us again uh, in the studio, uh, Luke Larrative from Seneca Financial. Luke, good to have you back. Ren. Right. <laughs> Luke, how are you? And we can welcome to Equity Mates Investing, Maddie. Maddie, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for submitting to Pimp My Portfolio. We put the call out without anyone knowing what this segment was and you uh, you put forward your portfolio. So we're really excited and also appreciative of you doing it. Uh, now, as always, Ren, let's just give a very high level on how we see Maddie's portfolio for everyone listening. Yeah, so Maddie's portfolio is split into ETFs and some individual stocks. About 80% of uh, her portfolio is in 
broad-based market ETFs, the S&P 500, the Aussie ASX 200, and some other ETFs. And then uh, about 20% is in some stocks, uh, Apple, PayPal, Qantas, Solpats, and Zero. So, Luke, where do you want to start? What's the name? Uh, the name is Kiss, which is like, you know, keep it simple. I won't say stupid. You can say stupid. And I think, yeah, that's kind of the overall thinking of this. I think I, I feel like looking at this, it's sort of like I started off doing one thing and then I've kind of added to it thinking that adding complexity is going to add performance or it's going gonna, gonna to be better because I heard about this or I want to do that or someone told me that dividend yields are good or whatever. Um, and then it, probably detracting from returns and more importantly like detracting from life you okay. know like stuff that you actually like doing okay um so yeah that's probably my overall uh i think i think you might need to explain some of that hang on yeah. so should we get a reaction <laughs> okay, here we've, yeah, we've yeah. got we've got kiss is the name of the portfolio keep it simple stupid uh maddie how, how do you what do you think of that um it's pretty accurate to be honest i wanted to keep it simple easy and um low maintenance <laughs> So I think that's a pretty accurate way of describing the portfolio. Um, I actually think I went the other way where I had it complicated and started off individual and went into the ETFs. Nice. <laughs> cool. So, you so are, you're keeping it simple. You're, you're making, you're it, making, making it simple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. deliberately making it simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 that resonates with me because I was the same. I started in individual stocks and then realized that there were these ETFs and realized the power of them. So I think your journey has been very similar to mine, Maddie. Um, but Luke, yeah. I, I want to hear, you said it was detracting from Maddie's life. I just know how shit my life is and how, you know, like, and how this, this is what I have to do all day. So no, I'm joking. Um, but look, I, I do think that, you know, this whole investing thing is really simple. You know, now we've got multi-asset ETFs available and, you know, they're your high growth or your growth or your balanced conservative type ETFs and you don't need to own anything. You can just buy one security. You can just reinvest in that security. All the asset allocation is done for you to that particular risk profile. Um, all you've got to do is figure out which box you kind of want to live in. And if it's to generate the highest possible returns and you don't care about volatility, then it's high growth. And if it's something else, then it's something else. And, and that would even be a simpler version of of this portfolio and so maddie like you know you could just find uh the appropriate multi-asset risk profile kind of based etf for you and you could literally own nothing mm -hmm. else you could just do that and then you wouldn't have to worry about you know how much money should i put in high yield how much money should i have in the us versus australia how much money should i have in you know emerging markets or, you know, small caps or whatever, like which is sort of the parts of the market that aren't in your portfolio at the moment. And you also don't have to worry about what Zero's earnings are going to be next quarter or like, you know, whether the yeah. Apple Vision Pro thing is going to be a, a hit or not. Or, do you know what I mean? You don't have to you don't have to deal with all that yeah. stuff. Read them. You can forget about it. You don't have to listen to a newspaper, read anything. It's all hmm. done for you. So, and you know, it costs you. I don't know what's what's what are those what are those ETFs cost? Like a, not a lot. Va a Vanguard diversified high growth would be probably less than fifty bucks. Yeah, I was going to say they're yeah. like thirty to fifty bips. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd be doing. I have a question for you, Luke. Give it to Sorry. me, Maddie. This is my favourite bit. <laughs> um, 
So some of those individual stocks haven't performed very well. Uh-huh. Would you actually sell right now at a loss and just lump it into an ETF? Yeah. Or would you yeah. wait it out a bit longer? Um, well, like, like you need to kind of go into each individual company. But um, at the end of the day, I'm big on, particularly for someone who's like uh, trying to get to a more simple, lower maintenance want to get on with the hobbies and things that I like that aren't managing my portfolio and just want to use this as a savings vehicle, like get to your ideal portfolio as quickly as possible within reason. You know, I think that just mm-hmm. because um, you're, you know, you might've lost money on one of these holdings and you've made money on another one doesn't mean, uh, you know, that the one to sell is the one that's done badly. Maybe it's the one that's done well is now too expensive and you just don't realise it yet. So I think people get caught in this kind of sunk cost fallacy that, oh, I haven't lost money. I'll sell it when I get back to making money in it. When reality is, is mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you make money in next as long as the next one you don't lose money again, you know? So I think that yeah. um, getting to your ideal situation is going to take all those decisions off you. You're probably going to feel a lot better about it when you don't have to look at those holdings in your portfolio anymore. You know you're in a diversified product. You can just get down to sort of, trusting the process over a longer period of time, knowing that there's nothing for you, nothing that you can do beyond what you're already doing and you're kind of finished for lack of a better word. So I know it's hard and it feels like, oh, that's, you know, X dollars or whatever. Like that's investing. We all, the best investors in the world have, you know, a 50% or under 50% win rate. So that means they make two bets and one goes wrong every single time. So, and that's the very best hedge fund managers on the planet. Um, it's all about how much money you make and lose when you win and lose. Um, Mm. so don't stress too much about it. Um, just move on, get to your ideal portfolio as quickly as you can. And yeah, then, then you kind of, you kind of finished. Cool. Thanks. Now, Luke, I want to take this another way because, you know, you're saying simplify, simplify, simplify. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, as I said, I had a similar investing journey to Maddie, starting with individual stocks, then getting into ETFs. Mm -hmm. But what if, uh, you know, I'm speaking personally, but perhaps Maddie feels the same. Maybe she doesn't want to simplify to the nth degree and she wants to have some exposure to individual stocks. Mm-hmm. How would you approach constructing a portfolio that has all the elements that you're talking about, you know, broad-based market exposure, some of those funds, but also gives Maddie some money to invest if she wants to have some exposure to some companies she thinks is interesting. Yeah, I think investing is really like in, in, in individual companies is a really good way to learn about a like how the world works, how businesses work, um, how you kind of uh, react to different challenges and stresses and stuff like that. So I think it's I think they're re- it's really valuable. I reckon I've learned most of the things that I know from investing in individual companies. So not saying don't do it at all. If the goal is to simplify, obviously there is a really simple way to do that. If it's not, or it's to some sort of blended version, the best thing about shares is you can. You can say, okay, well, I'm going to take 70 or 50 or 20 or 80% of my money, and that's going to be in one of these, you know, multi-asset risk profiled kind of ETFs. And then I'm going to take whatever the balance is, and I'm going to take make reasonable sized bets in five companies at five, 4% each. I'm just going to pull a number out of my... You know, um, so then you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to be able to spend your time looking at those companies, understand the earnings, understand the business drivers, understand the valuation and having a really, um, I suppose, deep knowledge of something. Um, and that is a way where you can actually, as an investor at home, working two hours a day on it, um, start to develop an edge over the market over time. Um, so, you know, if, you know, these companies, Zero, Apple, Qantas and PayPal are pet companies for you and you love those businesses and you love what they're doing and blah, 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 
cool. I wouldn't choose necessarily those myself. I think some of them are pretty boring. But like boring companies can be great investments. They can be. <laughs> yeah. they're very fun. Apple's done pretty well. Yeah. What do you what do you reckon, Maddie? Do you reckon they're yeah. boring? Um, no, I don't think they're boring. I think um, <laughs> there's a bit of tech, a bit of travel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think it's um, they're pretty well-known brands, um, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Zero, Luke. Zero's been one of the best stories on the ASX. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> don't, don't love it. Don't, don't, love, don't love it at these prices, to be honest. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, good minds can disagree. So I guess, um, Maddie, do you have any others other... Are, others are right. <laughs> do you have any other questions for Luke? Um, would you add anything rather than subtract? Like, would you? Is there anything that you think would you would add to this? Look, I, I would choose. You know, if I was going to buy, uh, like what Ren's talking about, with say, like you know, seventy or eighty percent of your money in a core strategy, and then some stuff in the satellite, I would choose companies that are a bit smaller. That's that would be my. Uh, preference. I think, you know, companies go through a maturation cycle and there's a bit of a phase in the growth curve where those businesses can grow quite quickly and they often re-rate mm-hmm. in a valuation sense as well because they're improving quality, whether that's paying down debt or just generating, you know, more consistent, reliable earnings. Um, so, you know, you want to be investing in, if you're going to take, you know, precious money and, and put it into businesses, a few select businesses that you understand really well, try and find those kind of companies. They're generally on the ASX yeah. like in that sort of a 200 to 2 billion kind of market cap zone where they might be like making revenues but like on the way to profitability or just ticked over into profitability or had two years of solid profit growth and they've got good operating leverage. So, you know, Apple, yeah, they're great businesses, zero success story. It's great telling people that you own those shares but they're kind of mature companies and the irony of investing in mature companies when they're on a growth multiple is you're normally investing in a business that has to do something riskier than what they've done to generate incrementally lower returns than what they've done in the past. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And then I guess from an ETF point of view, just looking that, at that yep. with, without going the other way and stripping it all back and just going your one multi-asset. Is I don't know a, why you wouldn't do that though. Is there anything outstanding like, yeah, obviously emerging markets, small caps, like there's heaps. But the point is, is why would you make it hard? Like just, so, you know, do the thing. Like you can just handball it to someone else and it's sorted and you can spend all your time trying to find three, four, five little companies that you're kind of, you know, excited about. Nice one. There you go. Well, Maddie, some decisions there to think through. Either strip it all back and just go one multi-asset ETF, low cost that kind of gives you exposure to everything you've got there, plus a few of the things that were missing in terms of small caps, emerging markets. Uh, and I think the other point that Luke made was don't uh, don't get too emotional about – I guess it's more like an opportunity cost with the companies, the individual companies that are there, even with those that are in profit. Like if you think there's a better opportunity, then – Take it. Take it, mm. yeah. And I think that's what helps me when I look at companies in my portfolio that are down – I think uh, Henry Jennings said there's just always another opportunity and if you're, you're just sitting it there for the purpose of it sitting there, like there's something else that it can go into that's definitely going to be a better result. So um, I hope that helps you think through. 
Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, no worries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate you coming on. And um, we don't think your stocks are boring. No. So. <laughs> 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 Thanks so much. <laughs> no worries, Maddie. A massive thank you to Maddie. If you would like to book a time with Luke to review your portfolio, discuss the markets, or help you with your financial goals, head to equitymates.com slash advice. Choose Luke's name and you'll get sent straight through to the booking form to find a time with Luke and the team. Luke, thank you again. Learning a lot. Very enjoyable. Thanks, Matty. Superstar. All right. Well, that is the second installment of Pimp My Portfolio. I think this is going to become a mainstay in the Equity Mates investing podcast feed. So make sure you keep listening. And if you want to submit your portfolio for Luke or another expert to take a look at, equitymates.com slash contact is the place to go. We're going to take a quick break and on the other side, we're going to have a look at two investor letters and what we've learned from them. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Equity Mates. Bryce, we're going to turn our attention to two investor letters. Now, for people who are new to the show or unfamiliar with investor letters, a lot of the big uh, fund managers and hedge funds, especially in the US, actually a lot of the big and a lot of small, small yeah. fund managers, uh, every quarter will write an investor letter and those letters will be made public. Um, and there's a really great subreddit, Security Analysis, that aggregates all the investor letters or a heap of investor letters that you can go on and read. And we find investor letters a really great source of uh, ideas for new stocks, yeah. but also just, um, I guess, assessments of where where the market is, where it's going, how investors are feeling. Uh, there's always some good lessons around just how to be better investors. They're just, they're just a really valuable source of information, I yeah. think. Yeah. Always have a, a little stock idea of some stocks that sometimes we've never heard of. Mm, yeah. Mm. And so for this segment, we wanted to choose two. Uh, from the opposite ends of the spectrum in yes. terms of performance. Because you can certainly uh, learn from those that have done very well and also those that perhaps haven't. Yes. So for this episode, the two funds we've chosen, Rowan Street Capital, which returned 103% in 2023. Yeah. So they doubled their investors' money. And then Ace River Capital, which was down 29%. 
Ouch. So lost almost a third of their investors' money. Mm. Now, we'll include both of these links in the show notes. We'll also include a link to security analysis, their post where they've aggregated the most recent quarter's letters. So um, if you want to read these letters and read plenty more letters, head to the show notes. But Bryce, let's start with the positive news. Yes. Let's start with Rowan Street Capital. Um Overall takeaways, what did you think? What did you learn? Well, I mean, the big takeaway you've already said is that they doubled investors' money in 2023. Got to love that. Not a bad result. Um, outperforming the market, I think the S&P last year uh, returned about 24%, so five times the market return. Um, so they gave a bit of a breakdown on what the biggest contributors to that result were, and there's some big names in here. Firstly, Meta was their best performing stock at 194%. Yep. <laughs> uh, Spotify, uh, that was up 138% in the portfolio. Trade Desk, I'd forgotten about this stock, but one, I reckon three or four years ago, we had expert after expert in the small cap mm. space come on and talk about it. It was up 60%. Yeah. And Shopify up 124%. So no wonder this, the fund overall returned over 100% when you've got at least three companies there all contributing upwards of 120% return for the year. But I think there's a really important caveat here. So those four stocks were four of their top five largest holdings. And as you said, they all did incredibly well in 2023. Mm. But here's how they went in 2022. Meta down 64%, Spotify down 66%, the Trade Desk down 51%. Shopify down 75%. Mm. So it's a real, you know, swings and roundabouts story. Like they got smashed in 2022, but they recovered and then some in 2023. Yeah. Well, not only, yeah. And I think this is the, one of the big takeaways that I got from this. It was a, it was a, a lot about their emotional state of investing. And their point here was that they stayed invested in these companies through those massive drawdowns and subsequently were able to, reap the rewards the following year. They avoided trading based on the macro, I guess, not trends, but the fears that were going on at the time and and uh, certainly, yeah, stayed invested in those companies. Um, they go on to talk a lot about the, the importance, very Buffett-like, very importance of patience, um, being selective. Very uh, Buffett-like in their... Uh- Temperament, yeah. not in their stock selection. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, not swinging the bat at everything essentially yeah. and just being very selective with what you invest in. But then once you're invested, staying invested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a really good lesson. Now, uh, they speak about a particular stock in here. They added one position to their portfolio in 2023. I think there's also a lesson there in just how often the best investors add positions to their portfolio. Mm. Um, and I reflect on how often I add <laughs> positions to my portfolio and it's certainly more than one a year. But like that, having that level of confidence and um, knowledge about a company and then putting in your portfolio is impressive. The company they added was Aiden, mm. A-Y-D-E-N. The ticker is A-D-Y-A-Y. It's uh, over, traded over in Europe. It's a payments company. Mm payments processing i think it's in the netherlands or something yeah, yeah it's dutch yeah um yeah so it's a payments processing company uh they bought it a 22 billion 
euro valuation after the stock had dropped 75%. Love that. You love that. Uh, and they expect this stock to grow at a compound rate of t- over 20% in both its payment volume and revenue over the next five years. Mm. Uh, yeah, fascinating company. It's worth reading the write-up. Uh, the temperament of the founders of this company is also impressive you know they didn't get caught up in the hype of 2020 and 2021 and while uh, everyone was having redundancies in sort of 22 and 23 they actually added 53 percent mm. to their headcount they were just like opportunistic Let's and just go. picked up all the best people yeah um so really interesting company one that i'll certainly add to the watch list but bryce i think let's turn to the negative let's turn <laughs> to ace river <laughs> capital uh, which was down 29% in uh, 2023. Not good, not good. It's a portfolio that is massively concentrated. Yeah, crazily so. Massively concentrated. So in his letter, he wrote that uh, he has five small or micro caps long and then one short, normally a large cap. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly risky portfolio construction, <laughs> um, both how concentrated it is, but also the short, seems to add a lot of risk. I, w- I would like to see some like uh, portfolio con- construction experts talking about that. Uh, maybe Luke does a pimp my portfolio on this construction. <laughs> on the short, yeah. Because it just, it just feels like, yeah, anyway, anyway yeah, it just it feels like that large, one shorting one large cap, especially in today's market, but just generally, I feel like you, you're getting enough sort of alpha from the five small caps. Like you're getting, yeah. you get, if, you, if you nail those, you're going to get differentiated Fine. returns. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, so uh, in terms of his largest position, it's uh, Rick Hospitality or RC, sorry, the ticker is Rick, um, the company RCI Hospitality. We have had someone on the show pitch this before. It's uh, an adult entertainment operator or one of the largest adult oper- entertainment yeah, operators the la- in the US. Yeah, or- I think the largest in the US. Yeah, um, yeah we uh, had Yaron Neymark uh, pitch it back in June 2020. Yeah. So uh, a little while ago. We'll include the link to that episode in the show notes for this episode if you want to go back and listen to it. But yeah, it's the largest adult entertainment operator in the US. They own a lot of strip clubs mm. basically. And uh, as this letter writes, because local governments aren't granting licenses for new strip clubs, these clubs are essentially local monopolies. Um, They also have a sort of like Hooters-esque restaurant franchise called Bombshells that they're uh, trying to roll out across America. It seems this company is a real favorite of like the small fund, small cap investors over in the US. Big time, big time. It's run pretty hard since it was pitched back in 2020. Has it? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he also discusses a new stock, Vox Royalties, which is essentially a company that plays in mining royalties. Yeah. So they pay upfront cash, like a lump sum cash, and then they get a royalty from miners based on you know the amount of profit they make or the amount of uh, ore they dig up. And so- they're essentially trading upfront capital for a long-term revenue stream. Yeah. There's a company in Australia that does something very similar, Deterra Royalties. The ASX ticket is DRR. If you want to have a look at that company, uh, I think we've heard that pitched a few times. Mm. Maybe mm. not on this Andrew's podcast, but yeah, it's a it's a really interesting 
business model where it's I guess it's it's about finding the right projects. Yeah. That's that's probably where the rubber hits the road. Mm. Um, but if you do find the right projects, you can have these like long term annuity like income streams yeah. that just pay year after year, and yeah. hopefully as these mines become more profitable, grow year mm. after year. Mm. So that's two investor letters, one from uh, Rowan Street and the other from Ace River. We'll include both in the show notes if you want a little bit more detail on both of the stocks that uh, we've discussed there, Aiden and Vox Royalties. But Rand, that brings us to the end of our uh, episode today. If you'd like to join the conversation, hit us up in our uh, Facebook. Come and join us in the Facebook community. Otherwise, if you want to submit a book for Book Club, if you want to submit your portfolio for Pimp My Portfolio, if you have any money-related question or if you'd like to us to connect you with an advisor, then please, we have a form, equitymates.com slash contact. Jeez. All the information will be there. It's got to be a long form. Ah, you can choose what parts you want to fill out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will be back in your feed tomorrow with an Ask an Advisor episode. We're going to be speaking to Phil Thompson all about insurance, the insurances you need, the ones you don't need, and whether you buy it in super, out of super, Mm. pros and cons. So a big insurance bonanza. And then we'll be back on Thursday as well um, to keep covering off what's going on in markets. Love it. We'll speak to you tomorrow. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.